and a one, two, three, four. Welcome everybody to the Life Point Table Talk Podcast. My name is Jason, and we are continuing with our Bible in a Year podcast. We are on week 49, and I am in the middle of the holiday craziness. Been a little under the weather, but uh, still cranking through here. And um, we're so close to the end. My goodness, it's all wrapping up here. And uh, we've got a uh, in- incredible reading today, some wonderful readings, quite a bit to cover. So I want to jump in here as soon as we can. We're doing multiple books. And um, so we got week 49, we're doing um, Daniel, Hosea, 1st, 2nd, 3rd, John, and Jude. And in the New Testament, the next week we'll be on Revelation. And that's the end, but the Old Testament still has a ton. It seems like a ton of books to go through. Um, But anyways, um, let's jump into this so we can get through this. And um, we will uh, do the best we can to get through this timely. And we're going to start off with Daniel. Incredible book here. So let's get started with our brother Dan. Mr. Daniel. Um, Daniel is... Well, let's see. It'll it'll give you a little setup here. Daniel chapter 1. The third year, Jehoiakim was king of Judah... Nebuchadnezzar had attacked Jerusalem. The Lord let Nebuchadnezzar capture Jehoiakim and take things from the temple. He put them in his own God's temple. That that comes up later in the story as well. Um, The king ordered his officials to choose some young men from the royal family of Judah. They must be wise, healthy, educated, and fit to serve in the royal palace Teach them how to speak and write our language. Give them food and wine that I am that I am served and train them for three years to become court officials. Four young Jews chosen were Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle, Michelle, and Azariah. The king gave them Babylonian names. Uh, Daniel became Belshazzar. Hananiah became Shadrach, Mishael became Meshach, Azariah became Abednego. These were, uh, uh, these names are seared in my memory uh, from childhood, learning these stories. It's awesome to go back through them. So, so they're in exile. Nebuchadnezzar has chosen um, kind of the top pick of uh, the royal family of Judah, and he wants them to serve uh, him. Uh, So right away, um, they are assimilating into Babylonian culture, but also not. 
and this is really interesting. Right, right off the bat, Daniel makes up his mind. He's only going to eat what God has approved for his people to eat. So Daniel says for the next 10 days, he's only going to eat vegetables and water at mealtime. And you compare him with the other young men who are eating what the Babylonians are eating in the royal uh, court. Ten days later, Daniel and his friends look healthier after this guard let them eat the vegetables. After three years of training, the king chose Daniel and his friends for the position in the royal court. He finds their wisdom ten times better than his other advisors. Daniel serves until the first year of King Cyrus. Incredible. It's incredible to see their time, and uh, we've seen this in other books uh, about the time in exile and how the Jewish people, um, they're, in, they're in exile, they're captives, um, but there's some kind of blessing on these folks. Um, and as you'll see, they, they keep rising um, to the top here. And um, as it said there, they, they, these, these fellows were ten times better than his other advisors. And uh, they become particularly useful and valuable to the kings uh, in these, these foreign lands. Uh, chapter 2, in the second year Nebuchadnezzar was king, he had horrible nightmares. He asked his advisors and magicians uh, for counsel. He said, if you tell me my dream and its meaning, you will be greatly rewarded. And if you don't, you will be chopped into pieces and your house torn down. I was cracking up uh, this 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 week reading this. It's uh, I can read it and as like a comedy because uh, Nebuchadnezzar's crazy. That's like his go. This is his go-to reaction: is if if you don't do what I want, I will chop you up and I will tear down your house. It's just so over the top. Uh, just the, just the way it reads. Um, he's just a really intense guy, I guess. And, uh, um, <laughs> wild, uh, and, and he does this later, we'll see what the, he makes these rash decisions that, um, uh, he, he's, he, he's kind of a psycho man, um, and actually, he actually does go totally bonkers at, at one point here, and kind of turns into a werewolf, um, Anyways, they say uh, this is impossible. Um, so Nebuchadnezzar, of course, his reaction is, I'm going to kill all the wise men. Uh, that's That seems like the natural response. Not just prison or beating or something. He's going to kill everybody. Uh, the guards are on their way to kill the wise men, and Daniel finds out. He rushes to, to the king and says, If you give me some time, I'll explain uh, your dreams. Eventually, Daniel goes to the king. He tells him not even the smartest person in the world could do what you're asking uh, your people to do. I can explain, not because I'm smart, but because God in heaven has revealed these mysteries and he wants you to understand. So basically, he saw a huge statue. It's a bright statue made of gold, silver, bronze, iron, and it has clay feet. He saw a stone cut out, and it struck um, 
struck the statue on his feet. It broke it into pieces and was carried away by the wind. The stone that struck the statue becomes a mountain that fills the entire earth. The interpretation, God has granted you power over all uh, other kingdoms. Kingdoms will rise that are inferior to yours, and a third kingdom, and a fourth, and all will be shattered into pieces. God will raise up an everlasting kingdom. It will break these other kingdoms into pieces. The stone is cut not from human hands, and it becomes a mountain. Nebuchadnezzar bows down with his face to the ground and pays homage to Daniel. Uh, God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and the revealer of mysteries. He elevates Daniel to a high position in the court. Daniel requests Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to also be administrators in Babylon. Um, so this is the beginning of their ascent. Daniel, it reminds me also of Joseph and dreams, the ability to... Um, um, interpret dreams, to know dreams. Um, I, th- I feel like there, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, um, intellectual part of this where, um, uh, like a psychological interpretation, I think that, that, uh, Daniel and Joseph were gifted in and there was also a, a total, um, miraculous, um, understanding of not just the dreams, but how to say it. And you'll see the way he talks later and throughout this. Um, and Joseph, Joseph was the same way. They're, they're like, they're sticking to their guns the whole time. They're not, um, bound to the idols and whatnot, but they're also, um, respectful of the king. In, in the way they talk and things. Uh, it's ver- really interesting. Um, but he had a miraculous gift, and a gift that really, he's almost like clairvoyant. Uh, some of the things he sees uh, play huge, um, I believe, in, in uh, Revelation as well. And uh, he's a seer. Chapter 3, Nebuchadnezzar has a huge golden statue made, so he obviously really learned his lesson from that from that dream. He makes everyone come uh, to the dedication, and they're all standing in front of it. He has a guy go out. A herald proclaimed to everyone, when you hear the sound of the horn, you must bow down to the golden statue. Whoever does not will be thrown into the furnace. So when the horn sounds, everyone bows down. The Chaldeans... Uh, go to Nebuchadnezzar and they tell him the Jewish men appointed as administrators um, have not bowed down and paid homage. Nebuchadnezzar brings them before him and asks if it's true. They reply, we don't need to reply to this concern. Our God who we serve exists and can rescue us from a blazing fire and from your power. Let it be known we do not serve your gods and will not pay homage to the golden statue. Nebuchadnezzar is filled with rage. He gives orders to throw them into the furnace. He makes it seven times hotter. Of course, Mr. Extreme. He makes it so hot. uh, Well, they tie these guys up, and they're going to take them and throw them in, and it's so hot that the people who are trying to throw them in get killed. Uh, The three Hebrews are thrown into the fire while still tied up. Nebuchadnezzar is startled. 
He runs up quickly and says, dip me, throw three in. I see a fourth man untied walking around in the fire. No harm has come to them. The fourth one looks like a god. Nebuchadnezzar goes to the furnace and calls for them to come out. They come out and they don't even smell like fire. They're in perfect shape. Nebuchadnezzar praises God, the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Um, and <laughs> check this out. Then he turns around and orders that anyone who blasphemes their God, what's going to happen? They will be chopped up and their homes will be torn down, of course. There is no other God that delivers like this Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're promoted. Um, Nebuchadnezzar does this several times here. He goes back and forth. He'll praise God, and then he goes totally in a different direction. These guys are pretty crazy. Chapter 4, King Nebuchadnezzar tells all the people about the signs and wonders God has done. He says, How great are his signs, how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom will last forever and his authority from generation to generation. Now he writes here, his words are written in the scriptures. Nebuchadnezzar, non-Jewish person. Um, now here's the story, this wild story. That's what I was talking about. He kind of turns into a werewolf. He goes crazy. Written by Nebuchadnezzar. I was relaxing in my home, living in my luxurious palace. I saw a frightening dream. I had a terrifying vision in my mind. No one could interpret my dream. Later I told Daniel my dream. Uh, there was a huge tall tree in the middle of the land. It had fruit enough of all, for all and reached to the sky. Everyone came and fed on it. Then a holy sentinel or a watcher or an angel came down from heaven and called the tree called for the tree to be chopped down. They chop it down, but he says, leave the stump, hold it in chains, make the ruler live like an animal out in the field. Give him the mind of an animal for seven years. This punishment is given by the holy angels and shows God is in control. Daniel was confused and wordy, worried, but eventually he tells him, You are the tree. Your kingdom is glorious. The message means you will be forced to live like a wild animal. Uh, far away from humans, you will eat grass and live outdoors like a wild animal for seven years. But the stump is left. That means you will again be king. <laughs> you will... Learn that God is in control. Please, I love this. Please turn from your sins and start living right. Have mercy on those who are mistreated, and then all will go well for you. That is a, a, a repeated theme of what uh, we've been reading in the Old Testament, actually what the New Testament as well. Um, Learn that God is in control. Turn from your sins. Start living right. Have mercy on those who are mistreated, and then all will go for, well for you. Um, he could have. This could have stopped right there if he would have listened, but he doesn't, of course. Twelve months later, I was walking on the flat roof, admiring Babylon. I was just thinking about this. What if our our national leaders, our president, just went bonkers, crazy? Well, he was kind of crazy, but for real. Like a like an animal for seven years, and then we brought him back. We brought him back and put him back in power. <laughs> I don't even know how to process this. It's so crazy. 
Okay, 12 months later, I was walking on the flat roof, admiring Babylon, saying, I have built this city with my own power and for my own glory. Before I could finish speaking, a voice from heaven interrupted. The kingdom is no longer yours. You will be forced to live with wild animals for seven years and eat grass like an ox. Until you learn God is in control of all the earth. At that moment, it came true. He was driven from human society and ate grass. His hair grew long and his nails like bird's claws like a Howard Hughes deal. At the end of the appointed time, I looked up to heaven, or, or he prayed. I love this, this lifting up of the eyes. And, and uh, this really has struck me in thinking a lot about mental health and stuff like that. This is this, is, this brother, Nebuchadnezzar's having, having a mental health crisis. He's identifying as a, as a animal. And... Uh, He's gone totally crazy. What, what's the solution here? I looked up to heaven. I prayed, and my sanity returned to me. I praised and glorified the one who lives forever. His authority is everlasting, his kingdom from generation to generation. No one can question him. Um, there's a lot, a lot in this, I feel like, this um, motif, this, this structure of pride, uh, power and abundance, and then, uh, uh, as I said earlier, not having mercy on those who are mistreated, uh, turning from your sins, living right, acknowledging God's authority. Um, when you go the opposite direction of this, it, it leads to ins insanity and judgment and... Uh, and uh, uh, it 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 doesn't have to stay there um, or go that way, as he said. Um, all will go well for you if you'll turn turn around, and eventually he does. And it's similar. I talked to a friend about this. The um, it's also similar to the prodigal son story. You kind of go crazy. You come to your senses. You look up. Come to your senses and turn around. Repent. Repentance. Repentance is grace. That is the grace. Uh, the opportunity to repent. At this time, my sanity was restored and I returned to my kingdom. My minister sought me out and reinstated me. Oh, okay. I became greater than before. Now I praise and glorify the king of heaven. He is able to bring down those who live in pride. Chapter 5. King Belshazzar, Nebuchadnezzar's son. We jump ahead now. Um, it doesn't really say what happened here to Nebuchadnezzar. Maybe he lived it out. Uh, continuing in faith, I don't know. Uh, okay, but his son obviously hasn't learned. Here's the the big hand. This reminds me of the big number one hand. Let's see. Uh, he has a huge banquet, Belshazzar. Thousands of nobles, they're all getting drunk. They're drinking wine, having a big old party. Uh, then he orders them to go get the gold and silver vessels that were stolen from the Lord's temple and taken to Babylon to bring them out so they can um, drink from them. So they're having themselves a, a real party. They're really getting down. And they're praising the gods of gold, silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone while they are, um, uh, in, a, in a sense, mocking God by using his uh, vessels to drink from and get drunk. At that very moment, the uh, oh, rascal flats. 
one second. Okay, sorry. Little technical thing there. Okay, where was I? At that moment, the fingers of a human hand appeared. The big number one hand. Number one. It appeared and wrote on a plaster wall in the world palace. The king was watching the hand write. He turned totally pale. His knees were knocking. He called out for the diviners and astrologers to come. Anyone who could read the inscription would be rewarded. But no one could read it. I did some, some funky writing. And... So finally, the queen mother comes. The queen mother, which must have been Neb's, Nebuchadnezzar's wife of some sort. And she says, hey, remember Daniel. He's gifted. He's gifted in this area. So they go and get Daniel. He promises if he will uh, interpret this, he will be rewarded. Daniel says, keep your gifts. I will interpret it. Your father was great and was humbled. Uh by living like an animal until he came to understand God is the most high over humans. You have not humbled yourself even though you knew all of this. You exalted yourself against the Lord. You brought out the vessels from the temple and drank wine from them. You praised gods of silver and gold. It says, Mene, Mene, Tela, Pharaon. Mene, the word had to do with measure and weight, and it means... God has numbered your kingdom's days and brought it to an end. Tegel, or Tello, you are weighted on the scale and you are found lacking. You are found lacking. Reminds me of Willy Wonka, that girl gets on the scale. Perez, your kingdom is divided and given over uh, to Medes and the Persians. Now, this is a trip. Daniel is given a reward of a purple purple clothes and a gold collar and proclaimed the third ruler as king of Babylon. He's made king, Daniel, all the way to the top. <laughs> but it uh, does not last very long. That very night, Belshazzar is killed. Darius the Mede takes control of the kingdom. <laughs> totally crazy. Totally crazy story. I love it. Uh, chapter 6. Uh, Darius divides the kingdom into 120 states. He has three officials in charge as governors. One of them was Daniel. Daniel is still right there at the top. Uh, the Hebrews are are uh, still influencing uh, the lands they are in while they are in exile. He did better work than all the others. He was promoted to run the entire kingdom. The other men conspired to bring Daniel down, find something wrong with him. They go to the king and they convince the king to create this law that uh, for 30 days um, they will bow down or uh, no one can pray to any god except for him. So they they probably um, get his pride going and get Darius to go along with this that all the people have to pray to him like he's God and nobody else and if they don't they're thrown in the lounge lion's den they kind of trick him i think darius makes it into a law when daniel hears this he goes home um and he's not he's not going along with this he's going to pray like he always does facing jerusalem three times a day he's thanking god the men watch him and they go and tell the king what he has done darius is concerned and orders daniel to be thrown into the lion's den but says 
You have been faithful. I pray your God rescues you. He's king. Um, you'd think he'd be able to stop this, but um, I don't know. I think they they tricked him into a corner here because he it sounds like he he actually likes him. It says how Daniel served Darius faithfully. A stone is placed over the pit and it's sealed all night long. The king cannot sleep. See, he likes him. He won't eat. He won't let anyone console him. At daybreak, he runs to the pit. Daniel, you are faithful and served your God. Was he able to save you from the lions? Daniel says, your majesty, I hope you live forever. That's what I'm talking about. Daniel, for all of his um, character to stand up to uh, complete assimilation into Babylon, like he's holding on to his, his faith, in in God and uh, not assimilating, he's still there's something about that. Your Majesty, I hope you live forever. Um, um, the way he talks, I don't know. I I I just find that interesting. He's got a certain type of character about him that has respect for authority and um, probably dignity and um, uh, carried himself with a certain kind of character. Uh, my God knew I was innocent. He sent his angels to keep the lions from eating me. Your majesty, I've never done anything to hurt you. The king, and that's interesting. I've never done anything to hurt you. They're in exile. <laughs> they're, they're, you know, taken from their home in this foreign land. Um, these people were not necessarily their friends, um, but he's serving them um, faithfully. Uh, the king is relieved. He takes Daniel out of the pit. Uh, and, of course, he orders the other men to be thrown into the pit and their wives and children. A little extra there. Uh, before they even reach the bottom, the lions rip them to pieces. Darius sends a message out to all the nations and all the people. I command everyone to worship and honor the God of Daniel. He is the living God, the one who lives forever. His kingdom will never end. He rescues people and sets them free. Daniel... Daniel's God has rescued him from the lions. Um, all went well for Daniel while under Darius and when Cyrus, the Persian, ruled. It's incredible. Uh, this exile, this forced exile, is um, a witness. It's a witness of God uh, in these these areas. It, it was a witness of, of disgrace, and now it's a witness of God's um, miraculous uh, um, rescue and, and pro proclaiming praise to him. The living God who lives forever, forever, his kingdom will never end. He rescues his people. He sets them free. Uh, it's, that's so awesome. Uh, in exile being preached, you know, to all the nations from the highest uh, rulers. Um, and that's a twist of twist of uh, the story there that's pretty um, incredible chapter 7 Daniel writes in the first year of Belshazzar Babylon I had a dream and vision while I was asleep I wrote them down okay these are pretty wild I don't know if I'll get into all the details but it's fantastic these are the beasts that come some of this imagery and things come up later um, 
I believe in Revelations. The wind was stirring the sea. Four powerful beasts come out of the sea. Each beast is different. The first one like a lion with wings of an eagle. Its wings were pulled apart and it stood on its feet two feet and was given a mind of a human. The second like a bear was told to go eat much flesh. Third like a leopard with four bird wings on its back. It had four heads and was given ruling authority. The fourth was very strong and dreadful. Dreadful, Two rows of iron teeth. It crushed and devoured everything. It was different than the other beast. It had ten horns. As I looked at the horns, a new horn grew and knocked the other horns off. It had eyes like a human and a mouth speaking arrogant things. Thrones were set up while I was watching. The Ancient of Days took his seat. He was all white. His throne was ablaze with fire. A river of fire streamed from his presence. Thousands stood serving him. The court convened and the books were opened. Um, I've heard so much on some of these things. That last piece is really interesting. And it's this layered, these, these layered prophetic imagery, I, I think. Because in a way, um, a lot of this, I think, is about what's happening or about to happen right then and uh, in the future as well to come i watched as the arrogant horn kept speaking the beast was killed and its body thrown into the flame of fire the other beast's authority was removed they kept on living for a time in a night vision the clouds of the sky one like the son of man approached he went up to the ancient of days he was given authority and honor and sovereignty over all people nations and group his authority is eternal my spirit was distressed the visions were alarming i approached one nearby and asked the meaning the beasts represent kingdoms who will rise on earth. The Holy One will take possession of the kingdom. I wanted to know the meaning of the fourth beast, because he was different. He waged war against the Holy Ones. He was defeating them until the Ancient of Days arrived and made judgment in favor of the Holy Ones. The Holy Ones took possession over the kingdom. He said the fourth beast is different kingdoms. The four beasts are different kingdoms. It will devour the east Ten kings will rise, then different kings. He will speak words against the Most High, harass the Holy Ones. Uh, for a time they're delivered into his hands, but then the court comes, he will be removed and destroyed. The kingdom will be given to the Holy Ones. As for me, Daniel, I was troubled greatly. I kept the matter to myself. Chapter 8. In the third year of Belshazzar's reign, a vision came to Daniel. I saw myself in the citadel of Susa. I looked up and saw a ram with two horns at the canal. Uh, it was arrogant. Then a goat comes along from the west, had a horn between its eyes. It raged against the other. The goat hurled the ram to the ground. The goat was even more arrogant. The goat's large horn was broken, then rose four more horns. Extending into the four winds into the skies, the long horns. Uh, from one of them came another small horn, and it grew very big. It reached the army of the heavens. Oh, this is crazy. And it brought about the fall of some of the army, and some of the stars fell to the ground, and it trampled them. It acted arrogantly against the prince of that army. The army was given over along with the daily sacrifices in its sinful rebellion. It threw truth to the ground. And was successful. Then I heard a holy one speak to the other one. What time, what period of time does this vision pertain? I'm more and more convinced of whatever this dimension is, this spiritual dimension or multi-dimension, multiverse. Uh, 
there's some kind of time discrepancy or just time is different or we just don't understand time the way it really works i think to what time does this vision pertain so they're watching this like where does this fit in on the timeline we're looking at concerning the daily sacrifices and the destructive act of rebellion uh giving over the sanctuary to be trampled he said 2300 evenings and mornings then the sanctuary will, will be put right a man appeared before me he had a great voice gabriel enabled this person to understand the visions as i spoke i fell into a trance i'll tell you what happened in the later at the vision is about an appointed time at the end the ran Ram stands for the kings of Media and Persia. The male goat is Greece. See, there it is. There's the meaning. Maybe it's all just that that time period then. Uh, four kingdoms will come from this nation towards the end of the rebellion. Evil king will rise. His power will be great, but not by his strength alone. He will be successful and cause terrible destruction. He will destroy powerful people and holy ones. He will use deceit to succeed. He will be arrogant. He will be broken apart, but not by human hands. He will rise up against the prince of princes. You should seal up the vision, for it refers to many days from now. Um, I think this is layered prophetic imagery here. Uh, Daniel was exhausted and sick for days. Uh, then I got up and carried on with the king's business. But I was astonished by the visions. Chapter 9, in the first year of Darius the Median, king of Babylon, Daniel learned from the sacred books that according to the word of the Lord, prophet Jeremiah, the years fulfilling the desolation of Jerusalem were 70 years. So I fasted and prayed to God. I prayed, God, you're faithful, your love to those who love you. We have sinned and turned away from your commandments and standards. We didn't listen to your prophets. We're humiliated and scattered. Israel broke your law, so you gave judgment. Threatened in the law of Moses, you carried out your threats against us. This is, what, this is a theme in Scripture. I feel like I don't hear that much these days, but, man, it's like a resounding alarm over and over. The threat of judgment and um, that he will carry it out, carry out judgment. It's actually coming. Uh, it's like over and over, especially through the uh, prophets and minor prophets. Um, I don't. Um, I don't know what to say. It's just that's the resounding theme to me. Is this alarm and um, get ready? He he means business. Uh, God, who brought his people out of Egypt, please turn your anger away from Jerusalem. Show favor on your devastated sanctuary. A city called by your name. Your city, your people are called by your name. That's that do it for your name's sake. While I was praying, Gabriel appeared and approached me. Um, You're of great value to God. Your people must suffer for their sins. Then the evil will disappear and justice will rule forever. The vision of the prophets will come true. And it's interesting because you read in the New Testament, they're looking to the prophets too. It didn't just, it came true then, and then it will come true again. <laughs> they're like archetypes, I guess, but um, 
um, also um, happening, already happened. Streets will be uh, built again in Jerusalem, trench around the city. Um, and then it talks about, on the wing, on the temple wing of abomination comes the one who destroys. This is an ab abomination of desolation. That always reads funky to me. I don't totally understand that. Until the end is poured out on the one who destroys. Chapter 10. In the third year of King Cyrus of Persia, we're into Cyrus's reign now. Uh, he's taken over Babylon. A uh, message and a vision came concerning the great war. Daniel was mourning for thir three weeks, not eating choice food, no meat or wine. I was beside the river Tigris. I looked up and saw a man in linen with a belt of gold, his body like jasper, his face like lightning, his eyes blaring torches, his arms and feet like bronze, his voice like thunder. Only I saw the vision. The men with me got scared and ran away, but I'm the only one who saw it. I was left there to watch it. My strength was drained. I listened to the voice. A hand touched me and set me back on my feet. He said, Daniel, you are of great value. Stand up. I stood up shaking. Don't be afraid. When you first humbled yourself to God and applied your mind to understanding, you were heard. I have come to respond to your words. This is wild. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia was opposing me for 21 days. But Michael, one of the leading princes, came to help me. But I left him there with the king of Persia. I've come to help you understand the vision of the future. While he was speaking, I fell flat on the ground. He has to keep helping him up. It's hilarious. Then one who appeared like human touched my lips and opened my mouth, and I started speaking, saying, The vision has scared me so bad, I have no strength. I can't even speak. I'm breathless. The one who appeared human touched me again and strengthened me. I said, he said, don't be afraid. Peace be with you. Be strong. Be really strong. <laughs> That's a version I was reading. When he spoke, I was strengthened. I said, you can speak now that I have strength again. So he's back to normal. Do you know why I've come? He said, I'm about to go back to do battle with the prince of Persia. When I go, the prince of Greece is coming. This is all super rabbit trail stuff. I love it. Before I go, I will tell you what is written in the book of truth. You must know, no one except Michael is on my side. Chapter 11. This is what I was talking about. Daniel helped and protected Darius the Midian in his first year as king. Four kings will rule Persia, but the fourth will be richer than the others. His wealth will turn everyone against the kingdom of Greece. And suddenly his kingdom will be crushed by four new kings. Uh, the king will grow powerful years later. So it goes in this whole thing about a southern king and a northern kingdom. Uh, they're in a battle. They make a treaty. Um, they're invading all the other countries. Um, he tries to make peace with the southern king by giving, giving him a bride, but it doesn't work. Uh, the northern king will invade other nations. They'll rise um, in his place, a despicable person with no rightful royal honor. He will seize the kingdom through deceit. Armies will be swept away before him. Both armies and covenant leaders will be destroyed. They will enter an alliance with him. 
but he will behave treacherously. He will ascend to power with a small force. He will accomplish what no one before could. He will just distribute loot, spoils, property to his followers. Uh, that's interesting. He will distribute loot, spoils, and property to his followers. He will rise against the king of the south. There will be a great battle between the south and the north. Many will fall slain. Um, this goes on forever, this long story about the northern and southern king. But I think that's interesting. I think it's all layered prophetic stuff, personally. Um, he turns back against... The people of the Holy Covenant. Um, he raises a profane sanctuary. He will set the abomination that causes desolation. With smooth words, he will defile those who have rejected the Holy Covenant. But those who are loyal to God will act valiantly. They will teach the masses, but they will fall by the sword and the flame, imprisoned and plundered for some time. But many will unite with them deceitfully. Some will stumble, resulting in refinement, purification, and the cleansing until the time of the end. We'll hear about that later, too. Uh, the kingdom will succeed until the time of wrath. He will not respect the gods of his fathers or any god. He will elevate himself above them all. He will honor the god of fortresses with gold and silver and costly gifts. Everyone who worships this god will get power and wealth and land. Let's say that again. Everyone who worships this God will get power and wealth and land. And the end of the king of the south will attack the north. It will reach all the way to the holy land. Edom and Moab will, and Ammon will escape. But he will come to his end with no one to help. Uh, he sets up his camp between the Mediterranean Sea and Mount Zion. Chapter 12. At that time, Michael, the prince who watches over your people, will arise. There will be a time of distress unlike any before, but those whose names are written in the book will escape. Many who are asleep will wake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting disgrace. That's one of the only passages that uh, Daniel 12 that talks about uh, resurrection to life. The uh, dead, the afterlife. Some will rise to everlasting life, some to shame and disgrace. But the wise will shine, and those bringing many to righteousness will be like the stars forever. But Daniel seal up this book. In the end time, knowledge will increase. I, Daniel, watched as two others stood by the side of the rivers. One said, when will this when will the end of this occur? It is for a time, two times, and a half time. I have no idea what that means. Everything will be over when the suffering of God's holy people comes to an end. I said, How will it end? The angel says, Daniel, go about your business. He doesn't really answer him. Because the meaning of this message will remain secret until the end of time. That's why I think he is uh talking about that situation they were in in exile right then and future times future times there will be uh, 1290 days from the time the sacrifices stop until the abomination causes desolation is set in place i don't know what that is 
abomination that causes desolation. I didn't have time to geek out on that. But it ain't good. He says, be faithful until the end. You will rest at the end of time. You will rise uh, to receive your reward. That's my brother Daniel. Now we're in Hosea. Guys, this was going to go longer. I'm telling you now. Goodness gracious, I got a lot to go over. Hosea, son of Beer. When Uzzah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah were kings of Judah. When Jeroboam was king of Israel, the Lord spoke this message to me. The Lord said, Hosea, Israel has betrayed me like an unfaithful wife. Here's this alarm, this warning. This is this impending doom that's coming on Judah and Israel. So I married Gomer, who had a son. He names him Jezreek because I will punish the descendants of King Jehu. I will destroy him. Later, Go Gomer has a daughter. Name her Lo-Ramah because I will no longer have mercy and forgive Israel. Gomer has another son. Name him Lo-Ami because the people are not mine. I am not their God. Someday it will be impossible to count the people of Israel like the sand of the sea. I love this. It goes back from this. You're not my people. You're going to get it. But one day you're going to prosper. Like the sand of the sea, they are now called not my people. <laughs> they, are, they are called not my people. Specifically not my people. Not just those people. They are not my people. But in the future they will be called children of the living God. Israel and Judah will unite. Choose a leader. They will take back their land. Chapter 2. Let your brothers be called my people. Your sisters be called shown mercy. Accuse your mother. She is no longer my wife. I, the Lord, am not her husband. This gets pretty graphic. I will strip her and lay her barren like the desert. She will die of thirst. Your children are the result of her unfaithfulness. Your mother ran off to others and depended on them for food, wool, oil, and wine. The Lord will block her path. I will strip her in front of her lovers. No one will rescue her. I'll punish her for worshiping Baal. On that day, you will not even be able to mention the names of those pagan gods you called master. I will let you live in peace again. Turns right back around. You will be my bride forever. I will give you justice, fairness, love, kindness, faithfulness. You will know who I truly am. You will answer, you are my God. Chapter 3, the Lord spoke to me, Hosea, fall in love with an unfaithful woman who has a lover. Do this to show Israel I love them even though they worship idols. So I paid for such woman. It will be a long time before Israel has a king and sacrifices are offered in the temple. Chapter 4, Israel, listen, the Lord accuses you. Not everyone is at fault. My case is against the priests. You and your prophets stumble day and night. Your priests reject me. I'll reject you and forget your children. You encourage sin. You stuff yourselves. My people, you are foolish. Your own foolish, foolishness will lead to ruin. That's a theme. Chapter 5, the Lord said, Listen, you priests, pay attention, Israel. Justice was your duty. At the palace of worship, you trapped people. I will punish you. Give a warning. I will punish you. That's my promise to every tribe. 
until they confess their guilt and worship me. Chapter 6. Let's return to the Lord. He has torn us to shreds. He will make us well. He will heal us. Let's do our best to know him. His coming is as certain as the morning sun. That's the theme, guys. Your love for me disappears. That's why I slaughter you with words of my prophets. I'd rather for you to be faithful to me and know me than to offer sacrifices. You broke the agreement. But check that out. The Lord would like to make my nation prosper again. This really is his desire and his intent. Chapter 7. I would heal all your wounds, but I see your crimes. The king got drunk when he was crowned. Um, they don't realize how weak they are. Their pride keeps them from returning. I would rescue them, but they tell me lies. They reject me for Baal. Chapter 8. Sound the alarm. Israel broke the agreement. You say we claim you as our God, but you reject our agreement. Soon you will suffer abuse by kings. I refuse your offerings. I remember your sins. No forgiveness for you. I created you, but you forgot me. Chapter 9. Israel, don't celebrate like other nations. You've been unfaithful. You won't celebrate the festivals. You will end up in Egypt. Your time has come, Israel. Your prophets are fools. That's what you say. Your prophets are fools. You say your messengers are crazy. Your guilt has filled your heart with hatred. Israel, you disobey. Chapter 10. You are wealthy, but as you grew up, you set up altars to pagan gods. You say we don't have a king. We don't fear the Lord. You break promises. The altars of Bethel will be destroyed. It's interesting. Bethel of all places becomes like this hub of all this uh, idolatrous worship. Israel, you have never stopped sinning. You plowed wick wickedness, you will reap injustice. Chapter 11. When Israel was young man, I loved him like a son. I summoned him out of Egypt, but the more I summoned him, the more he departed from me. They sacrificed to Baal. They will return to Egypt. Assyria will rule them. My compassion is aroused. I, can, I, aroused. I cannot carry out my fierce anger. I cannot totally destroy you because I am the God and not man. I will not come into wrath. It's just total back and forth. It's almost like the Psalms. I love it. Chapter 12. Ephraim, you chase the wind. The Lord has a lawsuit against you. Jacob attacks his brothers in the womb. He struggled with God. He struggled with an angel and prevailed. He begged for his favor. He found God at Bethel. You must return to your God. Maintain love and justice by waiting for God to return to you. I will make you live in tents like the old days. The Lord brought Israel out of Egypt by a prophet, and Israel was preserved. But you provoked him to anger. You're accountable for the bloodshed. Chapter 13. When Ephraim spoke, he was in terror. He worshipped Baal and died. They persist, persist in sin. I am the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. I cared for you in the wilderness. But I will destroy you, Israel. I granted you a king in my anger, and I will take him away in my wrath. 
I will deliver them from the power of Sheol. No, I will not. Will I redeem them from death? No, I will not. He said, no, I will not. Death, bring your plagues. Hell, bring your destruction. I will show no compassion. <whistles> Chapter 14. Return, O Israel, to the Lord. Return and repent. That's the theme here. Say, completely forgive our iniquity, accept our prayer, and so we can give sacrifices. We will never again say our gods. Only you show compassion to orphan Israel. I will be like Edom, Eden to Israel. They will blossom. People will be in the shade again. Who is wise? Let him discern these things. For the ways of the Lord are right. The godly walk in them. But the rebellious stumble. Alright. Let's jump over. That was a longer one. And we got a longer one here. First, second, third, John and Jude. Man, these are good. These are so good. My goodness. First John 1. This is what we proclaim to you, what was from the beginning, what we have heard and seen and touched concerning the word of life. The life was revealed. We have seen it, seen it with our own eyes. This is, this is why I love John so much. It's totally like, no, guys, this literally, literally, really happened. We saw it with our own eyes. Uh, the Father revealed it to us. We announce this to you so you may also have fellowship with us, so our joy may be complete. This is the gospel message we have heard from him. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him but keep walking in darkness, we are lying. But if we walk in the light, we have fellowship with each other. His blood cleanses us from sin. If we say we do not have sin, we deceive ourselves. If we confess our sins, he is faithful, forgiving our sins. If we have not sinned, we make him a liar. A lot of back and forth there. Um, um, it can be a little confusing. Um Chapter 2. My little children, I write this so you may not sin. Basically, he's saying when you're sinning, you are not in Christ. You're, you're in the darkness. So don't act like you are. Be honest about it. Ask for forgiveness. Get back in the light. But if you do sin, you have an advocate with the Father through Jesus. Christ the righteous one. He himself... Literally, is the atoning sacrifice. I do not. There's so much more here that I don't understand. I don't understand why totally that is what it is. Why it had to be that way. Blood sacrifice. Literally blood. How that paid. You say like paying a ransom. It's not money. It's blood like death. And then rising again. Um, there's more to that. By this we know we have come to know God, if we keep his commandments. Whoever obeys his word is truly this person. The one who says he resides in God ought to himself do uh, just as Jesus. I'm not writing a new command, but an old command. Darkness is passing away. True light is already shining. The one who says he is in the light but still hates his fellow 
is still in darkness. The one who loves his fellow Christian resides in light. Fellow Christian there, sometimes they say brothers. Um, I jumped around translation. Uh, the one who hates darkness has blinded his eyes. I am writing that your sins have been forgiven. To the Father we have known him from the beginning. Young people, you have conquered the evil one. You are strong and the word resides in you. Do not love the world. I love this. It's like this opposite. Reminds me of Daniel. And, and, uh, um, not assimilating to the world. It's right here. Do not love the world or the things of this world. If anyone loves this world, the love of the Father is not in him. All that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, and the eyes, and the arrogance, and material possessions. Those are all, all things that made Nebuchadnezzar go bananas and totally insane. And the same thing that happened to um, a prodigal son. Desires of the flesh, eyes, arrogance, material possessions. It's not of the Father, but from this world, the world is passing away. The person who does the will of God lasts forever. It is the last hour. You heard the Antichrist is coming. You have the anointing from the Holy One. A person is a liar who denies Jesus Christ. This is so intense, guys. So intense. This is this is very strictly Jesus is the way and that's that. The person who denies Father and Son, everyone who denies the Son does not have the Father. The one who confesses the Son has the Father. If you remain in what you have heard from the beginning, you will remain in the Son and the Father. He promises eternal life. The anointing you receive resides in you. He teaches you. Remain in him. I, I think it's interesting, too, this remaining in him. This this other theme that comes up a lot in the New Testament of working through your salvation. Um, it's not just this thing that happens. It's like this re remain. That makes me think you cannot remain. You can go somewhere else. Um very interesting. There's more there, too. Chapter 3. See the kind of love the Father gives us. We are called to be his children. Because of this, the world does not know us. Dear friends, we are children of God. Everyone who has this hope focused on him purifies himself just as Jesus is pure. That's one of the, another, this main verse keeps coming up over and over for me, this focus. Everyone who has this hope focused on on him purifies himself. There's something about renewing of the mind, focusing the mind on this hope. Hope of salvation to come, which gives us the power to act. It's similar to, I, I talked about this last time, remembering the future, the hope, focusing on that hope of where we're going, empowers us to act out that life Christ has laid out 
as an example uh, in our lives now. Uh, but it takes focus. It takes focus in a purification process. Those who practice sin practice lawlessness. Everyone who resides in him does not sin. The devil has been sinning from the beginning. That's interesting. How, how does he know that? Um, those fathered by God do not sin. The one who does not love his fellow Christian is not of God. This is the gospel message you have heard from the beginning, that you should love one another. Love one another. Not like Cain who murdered his brother. That would be the opposite. He did this because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Mm. Don't be surprised if the world hates you. We have crossed over from death to life. The one who doesn't love remains in death. Whoever has the world's possession and sees his fellow Christians in need and shuts off his compassion against him, how can the love of God reside in such a person? It's quite the charge. Let us love, let us not love in word, but in deed and truth. Don't just say it, do it. If our conscience does not condemn us, we have confidence in God's presence. It's really interesting, the conscience. It's, it's almost like this other thing, like having to learn to get your conscience in line. It says, by, by this we will know we are of the truth, and we will convince, convince our conscience. That's really interesting to me. Convince our conscience in his presence. If our conscience does not condemn us, we have confidence. Con conscience. That reminds me of consciousness. There's some kind of, something with consciousness. There's really something there. It goes all the way back to the beginning. Adam and Eve, when they become aware, there's some awareness. You convince your conscience you're okay. You're just like, put it down. You're, you're all right. Your conscience is the thing that's jacking you up. This is the commandment, that we believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. The person who does not reside in God... By this we know God resides in us by the spirit he has given us. Chapter 4. Don't believe every spirit tests the spirits. Many pros false prophets are in the world. Every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. I told you he's laying it down. You are children of God and have conquered them because the greater he that is in you than he that is in the world. Famous verse. They are from the world and speak like the world. The one who is not from God does not hear us. The one from God does hear us. Let us love one another. He just keeps hitting us. Because God is love. God is love. You have been loved. You have been given <laughs> mercy. Be merciful. If God loved us so much, we ought to love each other. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another and love is perfected, we know we reside in God. God is love. Love is perfected so we can have confidence in the day of judgment. Hmm. 
There is no fear in love. Perfect love drives out all fear. I was thinking about that conscious, that self-consciousness. Love is the answer to that. Being, residing, living in the consciousness of his love. How do you live in the consciousness of his love and grace and mercy? How do you do that? You got to focus on that hope. There's some kind of mind renewal. And it, it's not a one-time thing. It's continual. I'm more and more convinced of it. Habitual thing. You have to reside in it daily, all the time. If anyone says, I love God, but hates his fellow Christian, he's a liar. Chapter 5, everyone who believes Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. Everyone who loves him also loves those born of him. We love God and follow his command. That's how we know we are children of God. Everyone born of God overcomes the world, and this overcoming is our faith. That's one of my favorite verses. How do we overcome faith? Who overcomes the world? He who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This is, there's so much here, man. Jesus came by water and blood. The Spirit, there are water and blood. Bear witness to him. The witness is this. God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son, who has the Son has life. Who does not have the Son does not have life. I write to those who believe. So you may know that you have eternal life. So funky. He who has the Son has life. It's like trying to convince them you've got it. You've already got it. You've got to know you've got, you've got it, man. You've already got it. That you can live in it. You can walk in that assurance of love of the Father in your conscience. This is the confidence we have before him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Ask anything? Anything? Hmm. If he hears us, we know we have the request we ask for. If someone commits a sin, ah, this is weird, not leading to death, he will ask, and God will give him life. There is a sin leading to death. Do not ask about that. All unrighteousness is sin. But there is a sin resulting in death. That's a different sin. The whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Mm. That's really... I'm still trying to get my brain around that sometimes. It's like already done and not. Because obviously he just said... The world is under the power of the evil one. It seems con contradictory. Um, intuitively, in my experience, short time on this planet, it sure does seem it's under the power of an evil one. All right. Guard yourselves from idols. That's how he ends First John. It's really interesting. Second John. The elder to the elect and her children. Because the truth resides in us. I rejoice because I found out some of you are living in the truth. I ask you to love one another. <laughs> he is on a love trip. This is a commandment you have heard. You should walk in it. 
people who do not confess Jesus as Christ in the flesh. Those are deceivers. They have gone out into the world. These people are antichrist. People who do not confess Jesus as Christ in the flesh, literally, are deceivers. Watch out so you don't receive what you have worked for. Ooh, that's what I'm talking about. But receive a full reward. Watch out you do not receive what you have worked for. That seems to imply you can lose it. Those who do not remain in his teaching of Christ do not have God. Who do not remain. I have much, much more to share. I hope to visit you soon. Oh, it says, if anyone comes to you without the teaching of Christ, do not receive him into your house or greet him. What? <laughs> if anyone comes to you without the teaching of Christ, do not receive him into your house. If you do, you share in his evil deeds. Wow. There's a separation there more than... More than... Maybe I want to admit sometimes. Third John, chapter one, from the elder to Gaius, Gaius, Gaius. <laughs> I, I pray that all may go well with you, and that you may be in good health, just as it is with your soul. There is no greater joy than to hear you are living according to the truth. You demonstrate faithfulness. By whatever you do for the brothers. The brothers. I love that. I love that version. I think it's CV. They testify of your love. We ought to support people who go through forth on behalf of the, the name. I wrote to the church. But there's a fellow there who does not acknowledge us. I'm not even going to try his name. He brings evil words against us. He hinders the brothers. Do not imitate what is bad but what is good. I have many things to write. But I don't want to write it. With pen and ink. So I hope to see you soon. <laughs> I have a lot to write, but I don't really feel like writing at all. So I, I'm just going to come see you. All right, now we're in Jude. Hey, from Jude. From Jude. To those who are called and kept for Jesus Christ, I have been eager to write about our common salvation. But I felt necessary to write you that you contend earnestly for the faith which was handed down to you from the saints. It's interesting. Certain people have crept in ungodly persons who turn grace into sensuality. And they deny Jesus Christ. As connected. Sensuality and denying Jesus Christ. And, um, I'm telling you there's something there. Sensuality and denying Jesus Christ. I want to remind you. To Jesus having once saved his people out of Egypt. I love that. Jesus saved them. Jesus was the one who did that. And destroyed those who did not believe. This is another sound the alarm of warning. And angels who do not keep their domain and abandon their proper place. I don't know. I'm, I think this book of Enoch. He is kept in eternal bonds and darkness for judgment. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah indulged in sexual or morality and pursued unnatural desires. In a similar way, these angels, to these angels, they're an example of suffering punishment of eternal life. I'm trying to tell you he means business. These men are the result of their dreams. Wow, that's, that's fascinating. The mind. 
They're talking about the mind. Their dreams defile the flesh, reject authority, insult glorious ones. This is really interesting. That relationship between these other beings and humans. Even Michael the Ar archangel was arguing with the devil over burying Moses, burying Moses' body and did not slander him. Where's that? I ought to just include it at this point. If we, there are so many references to Enoch here. Lord, rebuke you. These men do not understand the things they slander and are being destroyed by it. They travel Cain's path. I love it. That sh the Cain and Abel story is so short and looms large over the rest of history. They abandon themselves in greed. Ba uh, Balaam's error. Balaam, another one. He, they become like shorthand. He will certainly perish. Balaam was like a diviner. He was messing around and he was gifted. Gifted like Daniel, really. They are wayward stars from whom the utter depths of eternal darkness have been reserved. Wow. That giftedness comes with responsibility. Do not, do not mess with that. Enoch prophesied of them, saying, Look, the Lord is coming and thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on all. There's the alarm, guys. To convict every person of their ungodly deeds and ungodly words they have spoken. These people are grumblers, fault finders, who go where their desires lead them. They give bombastic speeches, enchanting folks for their own gain. Hmm. But you remember the apostles' prediction of Christ. They said, in the end times there will be scoffers propelled by their own desires. These people are divisive, worldly, and devoid of spirit. But you, what do we do? We build up yourselves in the faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. What's that? What's that? Praying in the Holy Spirit. How do we build ourselves? We build ourselves up praying in the Holy Spirit. Maintaining yourself in the love of God while anticipating the mercy of our Lord. Anticipating? It's coming. That's what I'm saying. There's a salvation that happens and there's a salvation that's coming. It clearly has not uh, fully manifested itself yet. Anticipating the mercy of our Lord. Have mercy on those who waver. I love that. That's what he's saying. You, you, when you real when you keep that in your mind, how the you've gotten mercy, you're gonna that will empower you to have mercy on others who waver. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. Have mercy on others. Check that with the fear of God. The fear of God. That's New Testament, friends. Have mercy on others with the fear of God. Mercy because you got mercy. And you know that was that's real mercy because you take him seriously. He's saying it's... Um, the prophetic is he's coming to judge. They get out of the way. To the one who is able to keep you from falling and stand and rejoice without blemish in his presence. Mm, I love that. That's a consciousness. 
one who is able to clear your conscience, conscience and consciousness, to the only God of our Savior, to the only God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord. Ugh, why is he talking like this? Be glory, majesty, power, and authority before all time. It's that time thing. Now and for all eternity. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Man, that was a lot, friends. These next couple guys are going to be a lot. I got behind. Been so much going on. I was joking. No, it's telling Tyler. I said, we're going to have to name it. Um, what did I say? Bible in almost a year. <laughs> we might go a little over, over here. We'll do some longer ones. Thank you all for sticking in, sticking with it. I know it's a busy time of year, but my it's the Bible's so awesome, man. There's so much incredible stuff. It's just um, um, sticking in in my heart and my soul and coming up. And man, these uh, prophets and minor prophets and a lot of grace and mercy, but man, there's a lot of warning. It's a lot of warning. It's a lot of alarm. I love that. Show mercy with the fear of God. Uh, that's there's something there, man. That's the balance. That mercy in the fear of God. Have mercy on others with the fear of God. I love that. I'll leave you with that, friends. We will see you soon. I'm going to try to crank these out in the next week. We are down to the wire, and uh, we're down to Revelation, the New Testament, but quite a bit to go in the old. We will get her done, man. Let's rock and roll. Have a wonderful Christmas, everyone. All right. Peace. We'll see you next week.